morning, we are going to talk about a subject that I believe all of us tend to struggle with from time to time. You know, that thing that people may say about us, how people label us, how people uh, put things on us that we didn't ask for, and it starts to stick to us. Um, in my parents' house, we have this game that we like to play. And uh, this game has gotten very competitive many times. My mother's laughing because I already know that she knows what game we're talking about. We played this game many times and we tend to split the teams up, guys versus girls, okay? And the name of this game is called Catchphrase. I don't know if you've never played that game before, but it is an incredible game. And, and the objective of this game is you have a phrase or a thing or something pop up on the screen and you have to see what's on the screen and then you have to describe it to your teammates without saying exactly what it is. And as you go through this process, you realize that everybody thinks differently. You, you realize, like, I would have never said that to explain that. I, I should have said this. I should have said that. And so we've played this game many times in my family's household. It gets pretty competitive, but it produces a lot of laughs and joys. But how many times have you been in a situation where you have known someone and someone is describing a particular person and you're listening to this person be described by someone and as you hear all the details, the adjectives and these words that these people are using, you're thinking to yourself, I, I wouldn't say that about them, I'd, I'd say something else. And then they get done describing that person and you reach the conclusion as you start the way, well, to start to walk away, you begin to think to yourself, if that is how you describe people, I don't ever want you describing me to anybody. <laughs> Jesus finds himself in a very interesting position. He is walking alongside of the road with his disciples. And he stops the disciples as he enters into this town and he asks them this question. He says to them, who do the people say that I am? This text is found in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16. The scripture will be on the screen behind me, and we're going to read the story word for word and see what happens. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? Jesus asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, son of the living God. What I find interesting about this short passage and transaction that takes place in the scripture is, is that when Jesus speaks to his disciples and he says, who do the people say that I am? The disciples speak up and they begin to give, they begin to give inaccurate responses. They begin to give answers that were not correct. They begin to say things that do not line up with who Jesus was. They didn't even come close to getting it right. It was like they were pretty much playing the guessing game. Oftentimes, when we don't know who or what something or someone is, we will make an assumption and then we will label it or label them. And then that's how we identify them or this thing to people in the world. 
So we're back in this moment where the disciples are explaining to Jesus who the people say that he is. And we have to recognize this is that it's evident that the people had an understanding of some of the things that he had done. They knew of the fact that he was this incredible teacher teaching a message different from the Pharisees. They knew of his miracles. They had insight about those things, but they did not know who he was. So, but they, I, I find it interesting how they, they uh, related it to things that they knew of other uh, biblical characters before. They say, oh, he, he must be John the Baptist, or he must be uh, one of the prophets. Jeremiah, he's got to be Jeremiah. No, he, he does more miracles, so he's probably more so like Elijah. But he was none of these things. He was none of the people that the disciples said that the other people said that he was. And how many times have people seen us from a distance, knew nothing of who we were, and they labeled us based off what we perceived, what they perceived us to be. And then they went on and they identified us to the world in this type of way. See, the reality of the situation is that as people are looking at your age and they are looking at your race and they are putting a label on you. People are looking at your cultural background and then they place this label on you. People see your socioeconomical status and then they place this label on you. People look at how you present yourself to the world and then they place these labels on you. People see your success. They see your failures and they place these labels on you. People look at your scars, your wounds, things that you've been through, your brokenness, and they make these assumptions and then they put these labels on you. Some of you will really identify with this. People see your family history. They hear about your mom, they hear about your dad, and then they see you and put a label on you. People recognize your educational background and they put these labels on you. And you find yourself in a position we are now swarmed and surrounded by the things that people have had to say. And these things start to stick to you. And then people begin to identify you in that way. I'm talking about people in your community. People that you see on a regular basis. People that you see at your job. People that you see at your kids' sporting events. People that pop up in your classrooms and, and everywhere that you go. People have placed labels on you. And then they identify you based off of these labels. And what's sad about this is that many times these people, these people have not walked closely with you in your life. They have viewed you from a distance. So they don't know the story behind some of the things that you've gone through. They don't know what you've experienced before they place these labels on you. They draw these assumptions, these snap judgments, and they place these unmerited labels on you and now they're sticking to you and other people are seeing it and then that's what they're calling you by not only do other people do that to uh, other people do those things to us but oftentimes we do things like this to ourselves we we are searching for answers to questions that we desire to know but we are asking the right questions to the wrong people. We are asking the right questions to the wrong things. And I'm going to give you an example of what I mean by this. I don't think there's anything wrong with the desire to feel 
attractive or feel validated in that way. But here's what we do. We turn to social media and we post a picture and we say, hey, tell me if I'm pretty or not. Tell me if I look good or not. One of the things that absolutely drives me crazy about teens these days, not these guys over here, they're perfect. But uh, <laughs> one of the things that I, I see many teens do is they'll post something on their social media, a picture of themselves. And they're like, hey, make sure you go like my recent photo. Because that like, that double tap brings so much validation for them. I've literally spoken to kids where they will take a picture down that they posted of themselves for the simple fact that, oh, it must not have been good because I didn't get that many likes. We are asking the wrong things, the wrong people to tell us whether or not we are attractive beings. We do things like reading Time magazine and we look for articles that tell me how to be a better or a more attractive man or woman. Sometimes... We do uh, crazy things like uh, I'm struggling to understand who I am as a person and how I operate. So let me go read this horoscope written by a person that has no idea who I am, has no idea what I've walked through and has no idea what I've been through. And hopefully they can tell me some wisdom and advice about myself. We do things like that. We look to things like the Washington Post to help us uh, understand who we should be with our political views. Many times we receive labels from people that uh, we really don't want to receive labels from, such as you probably have been in a situation where you get cooking 101 or how to be a good wife advice from your mother-in-law. <laughs> how about parents who have been told or been labeled as a bad parent from a person that has no kids? <laughs> Bus business principles 101 from the person that's been so afraid to start a business, you know? We find ourselves where we have legitimate questions, seeking out legitimate answers, but we are asking, we are asking the right questions to the wrong people. And I'll explain exactly what I mean by that shortly, but I have to tell you uh, something really random. I had a very lucky moment yesterday. I was at a soccer game, right? And at this soccer game, I was walking along, and in the grass, I found a $100 bill. I was so excited. I was like, I got to tell everybody in the church about this, okay? So I even went as far to bring the $100 bill to church. You guys can't have it, but I do want to show you my incredible $100 bill that I found at the, in, at the grass at the soccer game. Y'all see my $100 bill? That lovely $100 bill? Can you, can you recognize my $100 bill? It's a lovely... $100 bill. Anybody disagreeing with me right now? Yeah. This is a $100 bill. I bet some of these teens are like, yeah, if that's $100, I'll take this $100. Here's what's interesting about this. I say it's a $100 bill, but you can clearly see that it's not. But I say that it is. I don't care what you have to say about it. I'm declaring that it is a $100 bill. But if I show up trying to buy a pair of shoes that are $100 and expect to pay for it with this, do you think that they are going to accept this as enough payment? No, they won't. But, it, but I say that it's enough. I say that this is worth $100, but they won't allow me to use this to pay for that item that costs that much. Why is that? It does not matter 
how many zeros I write on this thing. It does not matter what I do to adjust this thing, no matter what I do to this $100 bill. I will never be able to change its value or its worth or give it its purpose because I did not create it. It is as simple as that. Because I did not create this money, I do not have the authority, the say-so, the status, the position to be able to determine its value or worth no matter what I do. And we need to understand this. It does not matter what the people say. It does not matter what the people label you as. It does not matter what the people associate you with. It does not matter what they claim you to be. Because they did not create you, they can never determine your value. They can never determine your purpose. They can never give you your identity. Amen. And this is what happens in this life, is that we, we show up lost, searching to be found like this $1 bill. And then what happens is, is that other people start telling us what we're worth. Other people start telling us our, our identity. Other people start telling us all these things about us and who we are. And these things are sticking. And these things are sticking. And then we're looking in the mirror and saying, well, this, is, this must be who I am. This must be me. And it's so far from the truth. Genesis 1.27 says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Yes, ma'am, you were created by God. Yes, sir, you were created by God. And seeing how you were created by God, he is the only person, the only thing that has the authority to tell you who you are and what your purpose is. Colossians 1.16 says this, for through God, sorry, for through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made things that we can see and things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Through him and for him. You were created through God for God. He created you, therefore he gets to identify you. He gets to define who you are. Everything on this earth that is seen and unseen, it all exists because of God. That includes you and I. So our identity has to stop coming from things and people that we do not exist for. And that's where the shift has to happen. It's for us to daily understand and recognize is that I am existing for God. And if I exist for God, that means I exist for his purposes and whatever he may identify me for. We've got to start answering. Um, we have to start looking for answers about who we are and how we should operate from our creator and not from other people. Earlier, we started off this whole message with reading Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16. 
And I want to take us back to that passage, and I want to highlight something incredible that I believe that happened. What happens in Matthew uh, chapter 16 uh, through 13, uh, 13 through 16, I think is so interesting, this transaction between Jesus and his disciples. He starts off with the statement, who do you say I am? And then he completely transitions the conversation. He, he heard what the disciples said, the other people said that he was, but then he says to them, what about you? My disciples who have been walking with me, my disciples who have been taking these steps with me, my disciples who have watched me cry and mourn because I have lost loved ones, John the Baptist, my disciples who have seen and heard the Pharisees try to discredit everything that I have done, my disciples who have been doing this life journey with me, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, and he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. According to what we know, based off the scriptures, Peter was not present when Jesus gets baptized, goes under the water, comes back up, the bird or the dove descends down and alights on him and says, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Even how the Bible actually lists how it all happens, it says that Jesus gets baptized and then he goes into the wilderness and then he calls his first disciples. That's how the book of Matthew, which we're reading from, lists it all out. So Peter was not there when all of this took place. Yet somehow, through all the miracles, the craziness, and all these other things that Peter had witnessed, he's still able to see past all of that and identify Jesus as you are son of the living God. And we started out the beginning of the sermon series identifying us as children of God. The only thing that will not change about who we are. They can take away our jobs. They can take away our health. They can take away our financial stability. They can take our, away our relationships, our gifts and talents. But at the end of the day, they will never be able to take away the fact that we are sons and daughters, children of God. That is how the God of the universe introduced Jesus to the world. But I, I want us to really focus on why Peter was able to identify that Jesus was the son of God. It says in the scripture, sorry, it says Jesus, the scripture is not on the screen, but it says in verse 17, Jesus explains why uh, Peter was able to identify him as the son of God. It says this, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but it was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. And I just want us to think about this. Man did not reveal to Peter who Jesus was, but the Father in heaven did. The people on the streets who had been witnessing and seeing Jesus do what he had done, they were unable to accurately identify who Jesus was, but Peter was able to do so, not because of what he witnessed Jesus do, but because the Father in heaven revealed him. And I believe that this correlation is so important because 
Jesus had a close, I mean, Peter had a close relationship with Jesus. And the close relationship that he had with Jesus led to the father revealing to him who his son was. It is, it is uh, amazing to me. It is amazing to me that as we draw closer to Jesus, the father brags about his son. And what loving father doesn't like to brag about his sons? What loving father doesn't like to brag about his children? I know they're technically not my children, but I think about the youth group kids and, and they'll, they'll tell you like, I'll show up at their school, I'll show up at their lunch. And when I see one of them sitting with one of their friends, I do everything I can to hype them up to their friends. I brag about, uh, I tell them how cool they are, I tell them how amazing they are because I want their friends to know like, hey, you are connected to someone that is awesome, someone that could add value and change your life. I do everything I can to hype them up, and that's exactly how the Father is with Jesus. As we draw closer to him, he begins to brag to us about his son. He begins to reveal to us who his son is. The story does not end there, though. I want to continue on with what happens. Because Peter rightfully identifies who Jesus is, Jesus then in return identifies who Peter is, and then he gives them purpose. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 through 18. It says this, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I just want us to capture this. It blows my mind. It, it blows my mind. Peter begins to do life with Jesus. And as he begins to do this life with Jesus, this adventure and this journey with Jesus, he is drawn closer to him. And the Bible tells us because of his close-knit relationship with Jesus, the Father begins to reveal to him who the Son is. And then Peter rightfully identifies who the Son is. And then Jesus tells Peter who he is, and then he tells him his purpose. It is so important for us to stop getting this aspect about our lives backwards. Because many times what I believe happens is, is that we begin to do something and then we allow what we do to tell us who we are and then we form our identity. But what happens in this transaction is, is that Peter knows who he is because Jesus identifies that to him. And then he learns what his purpose is after he understands who he is. And I stress it to all of my teens, my college age people. We are in this season of life where we are constantly seeking out, what am I supposed to do with my life? Who are, where am I supposed to go? What, what college? What this, what that? And I, I dare you, instead of getting out there and searching out all these things, is to first put time in drawing closer to Jesus, allowing him to speak to you. You begin to see who he is through the Father, and then he tells you who you are. And then he tells you what to do. That is the route that I believe that we should take when it comes to pursuing the purpose for our lives. We have got to stop getting it backwards and go through God first and then to the world.
I even think about my own personal life. When I was 16 years old, I gave my life to Christ in April 2006. I turned 16 in January of 2006. And after I ended up giving my life to Christ, I, I had this passionate dream that one day I was going to be a motivational speaker. And God birthed that in me, and I clung to it with everything I got. I remember many people trying to deter me from that path, telling me that I would not make money, and I would not do this, and I would not do that. But I said, this, this is what I believe that God has showed me that I'm supposed to do. And I find it amazing that after I gave my life to Christ and I began to draw closer to Jesus, then he birthed something on the inside of me. And then he developed it, and here I am. But it first started with drawing closer to Jesus. It's so important for us to draw closer to Jesus and allow him to speak into our lives, tell us who we are, and then give us our purpose so that we know what to do. We have... Too many distant voices speaking into our lives. Too many people that see us from far off. Too many people that have not walked this journey with us. Too many people that are not truly connected to our lives, trying to identify who we are and tell us what to do. Your perception and understanding of Jesus will always be inaccurate if you're viewing him from a distance. Or if you're only knowing him at the surface level. You will have an inaccurate representation of who Jesus is, just like how the people did. Just like the people who just only saw the miracles that he was doing and heard of the teaches, teachings that he was doing. They, they saw it from a distance, and their understanding of who he was was inaccurate. But the disciples who had been walking with Jesus day in and day out for years were able to accurately to identify who he was. I, I, I challenge you this morning and say that your closest relationship in this life should always be your relationship with Jesus. Because through that close relationship, you will be able to accurately identify who Jesus is, and then he will accurately identify who you are. Amen. And I also believe that it's very important to change, again, the different voices that we have speaking into our lives. We are listening to a lot of people that do not have the mind of Christ, that do not have the biblical foundation to try to encourage us, to try to build us up, to try to help us to become who we were called to be. Just two days ago, I got a phone call from someone who reached out to me and said, hey, uh, I'm talking to a lot of people about a situation that I'm dealing with in my life right now, and none of them are Christians, and I don't feel like I can trust this information, so I wanted to call and talk to you. It is so important that if we have somebody speaking into our lives in the matters of who we are and what we should be doing and how we live and operate, that the voices that are giving us wisdom and giving us advice, that those voices, those uh, things, those people speaking to us should come from solid foundations of being biblically connected to Jesus. I think about the story I told in my first sermon in this series when I was speaking about I am not what I do. And I'm so blessed and encouraged still by my, my brother in Christ, Nathan, 
who was able to recognize that I was off course, who was able to recognize that I was going a direction that I shouldn't be going in, who was able to speak to what was happening in my life. And because he had a biblical foundation in Christ, he was able to say something to me that redirected me back in in the direction that I was supposed to be going in. And it's so important that we have people like that, that those are the voices that we are turning to that lead us back, pointing us to who Jesus is and not the other way. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this. And let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. If you are in this room and you are in Christ, you have a biblical foundation rooted in Jesus, then you should be encouraging your brothers and sisters consistently, constantly pointing them back in the direction of who Jesus is and what Jesus would say about them. You should be like my friend Nathan, who was able to speak to me in a difficult time and help me to refine the path that I was supposed to be on. Amen. So many of us, they find ourselves like how I stand right now, covered in these labels, covered in these things that people have said about us, covered in these things that people saw about us from a distance and then just put it on us and it began to stick. And we stand in the mirror and we look at ourselves and we struggle to figure out who we are. We struggle to see past all of the labels that others have given to us, the labels that the people have said about us. I love that Jesus didn't allow what the people said about him to stick. He said, and, and instead he said, let me, let me ask somebody that actually knows me, who I am. See, what the people say, if we're not careful, it starts to stick. And again, we start to look at ourselves, we start to look in the mirror, and we start to see ourselves as what the people say. And some of you, again, know the painful things that people have said to you, said about you, identified you as. And right now, some of those things are sticking to you, and you're struggling to go beyond that. And this morning, I have great news for you. And that great news is this, is that you can be free. You can be free. Romans 8, 21 says this. Creation, God created all things. Creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Creation, that is you and I, God created everything on the heavens and earth, male and female, like every animal, every plant, everything. He created it all. Creation will be set free from its bondage to corruption. And we will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So here's what happens. See, in this life, you have been labeled. You have been in a position where you find yourself being identified by people, where they have told you all of these things, and now you're you're standing before the cross. 
Come on, teens. <laughs> You're standing before the cross. And you find yourself in God's presence. Broken. Nothing that you can do on your own in your own strength. And all you can do is stand there and allow God to do what only he can do. And he begins to wash you in his blood and he begins to speak new truths about you. And his spirit begins to do work in you and through you. And he begins to change you on the inside out. And you realize that you begin to come, become a new creation. And these labels begin to fall off and they no longer stick to you. They no longer are a part of you. And things begin to change when you begin to be in his presence at the cross, and then what happens is, is that when you spend time drawing closer to who Jesus is, you begin to connect with him, and the Father begins to reveal to him, reveal to you who he is. And then Jesus speaks into your life, and then he tells you who you are, and then you realize that something has incredibly changed, that the labels are no longer covering you. And you are now a child of God. And, and, and what's so... And what's so beautiful about this is that this is permanent. I can wash this shirt a thousand times. This is not coming out. This is etched into the DNA. Are you catching that? It's etched into your DNA that you are a child of God. And when you get in his presence and you allow him to do the work, things that you cannot do on your own, things that you cannot change on your own, when you stand before him, when you spend time seeking him, drawing closer to him, he begins to do what only he can do. And he says, let me, let me take off this label. Let me remove that thing that's been sticking to you. That's not permanent. Let me, let me get that off of you. And these things begin to fall to the wayside. And when you walk out of his presence, you can clearly see who you are in Christ. This morning, we are going to take the labels off. Let's stand.